hello, hello, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Lucas Stock. And I'm Jens, 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 Nelson, Nelson, Nelson. Mm. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. This episode is dropping on Friday because that's the day that comes after Thursday, which comes after Wednesday, which comes after Tuesday, which means it's a Christians of History episode. And today we are going to hear from Jens about somebody who, to be honest, I didn't have my notes pulled up. I don't even <laughs> remember his name. So I'm just going to turn it over to you because you have all the answers. I have You are going to do this Christians of History episode. So take it away. I will take it from you and run. So on this episode of Christians of History, we are talking about none other than James W.C. Pennington. Don't know if you've ever heard of that name, Lucas. I don't know, you know, you, you guys that are listening, if you've ever heard of that name. Uh, we're talking about James William Charles Pennington, who was born into slavery on the eastern shore of Maryland in 1807-ish, give or take. Uh, again, as we've mentioned, when we've talked about slaves, as we've talked about those who were born into slavery, it can be really difficult to determine an actual date, you know, month, day, year, um, because records just weren't kept, or if they were, they're lost to history. Um, but most of what I saw said about 1807 and his birth name was actually James Pembroke, uh, but he changed his name to James William Charles Pennington following his escape from slavery, which we will get to. Uh, but he was an African-American. Uh, he was an orator, a minister, a writer, an abolitionist, and he was most active in Brooklyn, New York throughout his career. Uh, he was also later in life an ordained minister in the Congregational Church, you know, as the denomination, Congregational Church, and he later served uh, in Presbyterian Church congregations in Hartford, Connecticut, and in New York. And then after the Civil War, he served uh, congregations in Natchez, Mississippi, uh, Portland, Maine, and Jacksonville, Florida. So moved around quite a bit, uh, and especially when you consider the time period that he lived and, you know, being a, a slave or having at one time been a slave and then having, um, you know, gotten past the uh, the Civil War to, to be a pastor in the heart of Mississippi and Jacksonville, Florida, um, it's, a, it's an interesting place to find oneself. So um, to sort of get more into the nitty gritty of his life, in the, in the fall of 1827, Pennington fled from his plantation on foot. So there, he and he write, he has a memoir which I'll I'll mention in a little bit. But he talks a lot about his life, his his early life, his life as a slave, um, the times that he thought about running away, the times that he thought about rebelling against his master, and um, just all the really wicked and cruel things that were done to him, to his family, so to his parents and siblings. Um, there's 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 a story that he tells of um, uh, of another landowner purchasing his family members and apparently this happened a lot during the slave trade where you would um, separate mothers and children's and fathers um, just as a form of you know keeping them in check so to speak and it's just all really heinous stuff but um, so he, he fled on foot from the plantation uh, he traveled by night which you know you kind of had to do um, whereas during the day he would hide in the woods um, hide in abandoned barns uh, at one point, he was actually captured on a road outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, he was even brought before a local magistrate, but he was able to flee from his captors. 
So this this 19-year-old, give or take a few years, um, was a fugitive in the eyes of the law. Um, he endured hunger, cold. Um, you know, we're talking about the Northeast here. Um, and so he, he endured those things before he reached Pennsylvania, where he was welcomed into the home of Quakers William and Phoebe Wright, who actually helped shelter him for about six months' time. Um, William Wright actually began to teach Pennington how to read and write. And that's like huge. This, this is like a huge turning point in, in James's life. Um, as I'm sure many people know, uh, a lot of uh, people who were born into slavery uh, were not privileged to read or write. They were never taught how to read or write because to read or to write would be to give them a, a, a sort of power, uh, a sort of ability to communicate, to um, probably um, you know rise up and rebel. So um, to now be free from his his um, his master, to, to be living with these Quakers, um, he's learning how to read and write. So eventually, uh, James finds his way to New York City, where slavery had only recently been abolished. It had not been abolished very long, um, but slave catchers were actually constantly prowling the streets. Uh, he continued his education and became a, a school teacher in Long Island, uh, especially to um, those who were also... Um, either escaped slaves or people who had been freed and were living in the in the city. But um, at the, it was at this time in his life that he had his most profound religious epiphany, as he says. Uh, he says, quote, I not only prayed, but I also fasted. Uh, it was while I was engaged thus that my attention was seriously drawn to the fact that I was a lost sinner and a slave to Satan. And I soon saw that I must make myself... An sorry, um, I must make another escape from another tyrant, end quote. So basically he's saying, you know, I, at one point I was living in physical slavery under a physical tyrant, um, one that I could see and, and touch and hear. And when he when he had this quote unquote, you know, religious epiphany, he, he saw himself as a sinner, as someone in need of, of, of grace. Uh, he saw himself as a slave to Satan and he saw that he needed to escape the tyranny of Satan, and he, he sought that refuge in, in Christ. Uh, at this time, he resolved to become a Christian minister, to become a, a pastor, and so his pursuit of education and ministry led him to New Haven, Connecticut in about 1834, where he sought enrollment in Yale Divinity School. Uh, interestingly, <laughs> he did not meet the divinity, the, the divinity school's entrance requirements as he did not have a bachelor's degree and he most likely didn't speak Hebrew or Greek or anything even close to that. Um, also state law worked against him, which I mean, just kind of makes sense for the time period. But in, in 1833, so the year prior, Connecticut had enacted what was called the quote unquote black law which intended to, quote, prevent the instruction of colored persons belonging to other states and countries, end quote. So as he's trying to learn, as he's trying to become a pastor, a minister, uh, he goes to Yale Divinity School, but doesn't meet any of the requirements. There's laws that are keeping him from learning. So he was refused enrollment. He could not be enrolled as a student in the school, and he was barred from, from speaking in class. You might be saying, well, if he wasn't allowed to enter, how could he be barred from speaking in class? Well, uh, really the only option that he had was to sit in the back of the classroom and listen. He wasn't enrolled. He wasn't allowed to participate. He could just come and listen. Um, even borrowing books from the library was off limits to him at the time. 
Um, a, a degree was basically out of the question. You're, you're not going to get a, an accredited degree. You can just come and listen. But he was so hungry for an education that Pennington took what was offered to him and he made the most of it. He, he, he was going to learn even if even if his learning had you know no recognition attached to it. Um, interestingly, he was actually the first African American to study at Yale. If you can, if you can even say study at Yale, if he wasn't a, an official student. But um, Pennington would soon become a renowned pastor, uh, a respected civic leader, and a leading abolitionist. Uh, writing many years after he left New Haven, he actually emphasized the crucial role of education in fully breaking the bonds of slavery. And this is kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier is when, when, when people who were living in slavery um, learned to read and write, they saw it in a sense as a liberation. It gave them power. It gave them freedom in a sense. It gave them a voice um, to write books, to communicate, to write histories. Um, but he, he's quoted as saying, there is one sin that slavery committed against me, which I can never forgive. It robbed me of my education which is, you know, pretty strong language to be speaking about all the horrors that were committed against him. He's saying there is one sin that slavery committed that he will never forgive. And it's the fact that he didn't get a chance to have a good education. Um, another fun fact, in, in 1838, he officiated um, at the wedding of Frederick Douglass and Anna Murray. So if you've heard of Frederick Douglass, maybe we'll talk about him in the future. Um, he's the one who officiated the wedding. Um, in addition to many sermons and speeches, Pennington authored one of the first history textbooks for African-American teachers. Uh, it was titled A Textbook of the Origin and History of Colored People. That was 1841. As I mentioned, he also wrote a, a memoir um, titled The Fugitive Blacksmith, Events in the History of James W.C. Pennington, which was published in 1849. Um, so one of the things that's actually really fascinating about his life is because he was um, a fugitive slave, like he was never officially given his freedom. He, he ran away. Um, there were there was a lot of run-ins with the law um, as he was trying to do different things, as he's trying to minister, uh, as he's trying to be an abolitionist. Like there were a couple of times where like him and a friend, um, a, a white friend were, were actually trying to achieve his freedom, trying to purchase his freedom from his original master. Um, but just th those things never worked out properly. Um, and so he, he lived most of his life actually as a, a fugitive slave, so to speak, um, up until the point, you know, of um, really up until close to his death. But um, throughout his life, he, he identified as a pacifist. But during the American Civil War, which lasted roughly four years from 1861 to 1865, um, he helped to recruit black troops for the Union Army. Um, and, when, and when the war was over, he served for a short time, as I was saying, as a, a minister in Mississippi, um, and then in Portland, Maine. Um, and then in early, in early 1870, he returned to the South, where he had been appointed the Presbyterian, uh, by the Presbyterian Church to serve in Florida. Um, and it was there that he organized an African-American congregation in Jacksonville. And as again, as I mentioned, especially in Mississippi and especially in Jacksonville, he met a lot of hostility. You know, the, the Civil War had only been over for a few short years. Um, and there was still a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, a lot of um, even just difficulty. Like even though the war was over, even though there was some emancipation, um, there still were a lot of um, feuds and high tensions and 
it, it caused a lot of issues for him in his in his ministry. But um, towards the end of his life, as he lived and served in Florida, um, he's noted as saying that it's some of his most fruitful years working with an African-American congregation. Um, and it was there in, in Jacksonville where he died October 22nd, 1870, after a short illness he, that he really couldn't recover from. Um, but just like a really fascinating figure. I mean, I, I don't have access to his full memoir. Um, I, I could buy it if I wanted. I didn't. I, I couldn't find it available online. Um, but just reading some of the excerpts that I found, it's just like really fascinating to hear, um, you know, someone who was actually born into slavery, who lived that life, who escaped from it, who who became a Christian, who became a pastor, to, to hear that person speak of their experience, to hear them, um, you know, as an abolitionist, as a civic leader, to advocate for other um, people who were still bound in the chains of slavery. Sometimes it just seems like this was so long ago. Like, you know, to speak of 1870, it seems like a lifetime ago. You know, I was born in 1994, for example. So this is, you know, over 100 years before my birth. Uh, but in reality, <laughs> the fact that slavery existed in the 1800s, that that's mind-blowing. That in our country, like not even 200 years ago, that there were people living in slavery. Um, the, <laughs> it, it's going to trickle down and even have, you know, effects as we're still seeing today. But... It's so interesting to see it from the perspective of someone who lived through it and the fact that we can still read the writings of the people that lived through it. Um, it's, it's only by God's grace when you think about it that there were people that were, that were able to learn to, to, to learn to read and write, to, um, to write down their experiences and their history because if it weren't for people like that, who knows what we would know about you know the time of American slavery uh, as a whole. But Personally, I learned a lot about James Pennington. I found his life to be um, hugely important, very fascinating. And I think you guys, you know, if, you, if you've found this interesting, you should look more into him and, and his life as well. But in a nutshell, yeah, just, that's the life of James Pennington. Just another example of one of those names that's not like a household name, right? you know, that that it's out there. The information is out there, by like you said, by God's grace. And um, it, it's so such a privilege to get to sit down and hear and listen to to that um information that that i just totally didn't even know existed a person a brother a um significant figure i would say in american american history not just not just american church history right um yeah awesome so thanks for sharing and, and thank you for listening to this episode of the doxology podcast if you'd like to connect with us as always you can hit us up on twitter or instagram at doxology podcast or shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear feedback, questions, ideas for future episodes, especially um, uh, ideas for Christians of history to talk about. Um, and yeah, whatever's on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. And until next time, we'll see you.